Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Podcast Daily. It is Thursday morning. That is Bill Landis, and I am Austin Ward. And if you had on your bingo card May 25th and either one of us saying the name Joe Philbin, congratulations. You've hit bingo. (laughs) I did not have that on my bingo card. Uh, Have not thought about Joe Philbin at all (laughs) in quite some time, really. I was quite surprised to see uh, that he somehow ended up uh, in in our or on our Ohio State radar was not ready for it. Yeah, it popped out out of nowhere, and in some ways that should help inform part of this conversation. You don't normally get a lot of coaching carousel impactful moves popping up in late May, and that's not to say that Joe Philbin does not bring value to the Ohio State coaching staff, the offensive coaching staff. I think that he will. I think that my take here, Bill, and certainly want yours, is that this is just an unexpected bonus, a situation that arose unexpectedly. It wasn't that necessarily Ohio State was you know, out there looking for more help, in need of more help, worried about Justin Fry or Mike Salini and hmm. needing somebody else to help coach the offensive line. I don't feel like that's the case at all. I think there was a coach looking for somewhere to do some work and a head coach in Ryan Day who's spent this offseason not really turning down any possible stones that he could flip over. Yeah, why would you if you can do it and you can swing it and these positions are are not typically ones that that break break the bank, excuse me, um in the grand scheme of things because they're relatively low paid positions compared to what assistants and head coaches make and it's like a guy who's been a coach for a really long time with extensive experience at the college and and a certainly NFL level. Um it's kind of a no-brainer. I don't think there's no can't think of a downside to it um and if joe philbin wants to spend this year uh grinding tape and helping brian hartline and maybe giving a hand to justin fry and mike seleni then of course if you're ryan day you do that especially i think in a world where he's trying to transition a little more into a ceo role like any anyone you can bring into the building that uh allows you to be more hands off with something I, i think is to ryan day's benefit so um i don't know like I said on the board at OhioState.Rivals.com that I think these things tend to get overblown a little bit, especially when it's a, a name that people recognize, like Joe Philbin's. But that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Like there's even even if it's I don't know, you look back a year from now, and there's one thing that Joe Philbin helped you with. I think that's probably worth it. Right. It, it does feel to me like, and I don't want to oversimplify it or minimize it. I, we we have not talked to Joe Philbin or Ryan Day at this point about their motivations for making this deal. I don't know that we ever will talk publicly to Joe Philbin about it. Uh, with the exception of James Laurinaitis, I don't know that Ohio State has ever had any analysts or quality control people participate in interviews. Uh, I guess Riley Jeffers did one back with like a, a hometown um, Notre Dame television station, South Bend television station. So that would be the only two that I can think of that have ever happened. Uh, so we may not hear directly from him, but a way that a lot of this tends to work is that advanced scouting, uh, brainstorming in coaches' sessions, uh, you know, in the meeting room. I'm not sure that there will be, as I look at it and what I guess or project forward, there wouldn't be a lot of hands-on coaching from Joe Philbin with the current roster. Maybe I'll be wrong about that, but this does feel like um, looking for somebody to add another voice and another set of eyes for a couple of weeks down the road with opponents so they can get a start on game planning, which is something that Joe Philbin has obviously done 
a lot throughout his career. Yeah, it's it's it is unglorious work um, to to do this kind of stuff. But it's like for football junkies who can't quit it. Like he, he Joe Philbin <laughs> could could retire. I'm sure he's made quite enough money to retire and, and walk away from football if he if he wanted to. He's most recently the Cowboys offensive line coach. But but clearly something is is pulling him back to this. He's he's 61 years old. You know he's not he's relatively young. I think in in coaching years. Um, so he probably still feels like he has more time to. To, to do this job and more to offer to the sport, but he is like, <clears throat> I don't like, I, again, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate the impact here, but he is kind of uniquely qualified to, I, th- I think help Ohio state in two pretty important areas for Ohio state this year. Uh, one is his relationship is Brian Hartline's former NFL head coach and helping Brian in which, whatever way needed to, to transition into this role as offensive coordinator. I don't want to make it sound like he's going to hold Brian's hand through all this because Brian's not ready for it, but it's just another resource and a familiar one for, for Brian to lean on. And then Joe Philbin's got extensive offensive line background. He was Kirk Ferentz's first offensive line coach at Iowa. He was an offensive line coach in the NFL and in college for many, many years. It's his specialty. And while I think Justin Fry is a tremendous offensive line coach and there's a lot to like about Mike Salini and, and what he's going to be in his future too, can't hurt to have another set of eyes on that position in a year where they're transitioning in, in a major way. So um, I, I, again, it's, it's kind of beating a dead horse a little bit, I guess, but this can help Ohio state and to what extent I'm not sure, but um, I would be happy, excited, enthused about Ohio state adding someone of this caliber to their staff. Yeah. It, it did seem like for a number of years, well, is Ohio state doing the same thing that Alabama is and, it was, but it, not at the same extent of high-profile coaches they were bringing in, which was Nick Saban had become this halfway house for re- recovering coaches who had, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, uh, washed out of their previous jobs, whether that was on the field or off the field or whatever. Um, and so those people were garnering more headlines than, uh, you know, Keenan Bailey was, for example, or or Todd Fitch. Like this was still happening for Ohio State, but it wasn't done by grabbing headlines. So, and I think that they would still be do I think they would do even more if the rules had not been kiboshed for whatever reason by the NCAA to really open up and remove any cap on the number of coaches you could have. I think they were ready to do that, willing to go even further than they have, but I would still say that they've been more aggressive than most even without getting the same level of acclaim as Alabama. I, I think they have too. And that started the transition a little bit under Urban Meyer. Remember, was it 2017 where they had like Joker Phillips, who was the former Kentucky head coach, came in and um, who was the guy from Ohio? Brian Knorr was like the former Ohio head coach who came in. Um, and that was like, I think around the time when Saban started doing his his coaches reform school and um, <laughs> people wanted Ohio State to to – um, copy that. Uh, I do think there's like a uh, what's what's it called? Uh, when you get to the point point of diminishing return, when uh, yeah. when when you have too many of of these people, like you can keep collecting them, I guess, if you want to, so you can brag about it. But unless it gets to the point where, as you alluded to, those people can actually do things on the field, it's like how many do you really need? So so Nick Saban has a lot. Good for him, I guess. Um, but Ohio State, I, I don't think, has been particularly behind in, in this case. And it has had some, you know, it's had former head coaches fill, fill these roles. Paul, Paul Rose was another one. So, uh, and they added uh, Mike Dawson from, who's like Nebraska's former defensive line coach, who um, 
used to work with Ryan Day. I, I can't remember at Boston College. He, is that where they were together? Yeah, and then he was with the Birds for a while, right? Um, I believe he was. Yeah. yeah, lots of lots of Birds connections here. Joe Philbin was the uh, offensive coordinator when the Packers won the Super Bowl and beat the Birds in the playoffs. So, oh well, that's uh, not we the have, right kind of connection for you. We have we have mixed feelings about that one. But uh, <laughs> to get to get back to the point, um, no, Ohio State does not have an army of high profile analysts. I question the the value of that um, sort of inherently. But uh, Ryan Day, I think, has been quick to embrace the idea when it is presented to him. And this is another kind of example of that. I have a lot of questions about you referring to it as collecting and then that you could have diminishing returns at some point, knowing the way <laughs> that your approach is. Uh, we, we don't have to get into that, but I, I'm pretty sure that you are an insatiable collector and you would just be plucking every coach available on the market to come work on your staff. Uh, maybe they, they, there'd have to be some demonstrated value there, I think. Um, you know, and I wonder if that is a more or less volatile market than collecting sports trading <laughs> cards. I don't know. I'd hear, I'd listen to arguments for both. Yeah. I'd like to send Joe Philbin off to PSA and see what kind of grade we can get on a 61 year old, um, <laughs> analyst. Uh, you, so the questions that we got right away at ohiostate.rivals.com about this, and you looked throughout his career, the, the first one was, uh, and you alluded to his relationship with Brian Hartline, and they, you know, you were asked, like, does this mean it's definitely happening now? Which it almost certainly is anyway. Like, is this meant to help Brian Hartline become an offensive play caller? Are these tied together somehow? And you found what about Philbin's coaching career? Uh, that while he's held offensive coordinator titles twice with the Packers, um, and was a head coach of the Dolphins. He's he has not really been an extensive play caller in his career. Um, he called plays for the Packers at the end of the 2018 season when Mike McCarthy got fired. He did not call plays when he was the head coach of of the Dolphins, which actually kind of surprised me a little bit. But I suppose it makes sense. Like if he's a if he's like purely in, like he's not a former quarterbacks coach, he's an offensive line guy. And and um, though I disagree with the practice, those offensive line uh, coaches do not typically get a ton of chances to call plays. I think they should. I think more offensive line coaches should be head coaches, but I guess that's a topic for another day. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Joe Philbin uh, does not, it's not like they're bringing in a long time college and NFL play caller to like be Brian Hartline Sherpa up this mountain. Um, I don't think, I think that the article I read that was dating back to, Philbin's second stint with the Packers in 2018 when he became that interim head coach and then was also the play caller. It was the first time he had called play since 1996 when he was the offensive coordinator at Northeastern, uh, which is a college in Boston for anybody who doesn't know what Northeastern is. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't take this as an indication that Brian Hartline is definitely calling plays this year. I like you, I, I think he will, or there'll be some sort of scenario there where he and Ryan day will work on that together. And eventually Hartline will take over. But it's, this is not like, okay, it's stamped. This is definitely happening. But he's done it. Philbin has this is to some degree. He's been a head coach. He understands, I think, the machinations of play calling and the organization that's involved. So I think he can still be a helping hand with that. This did not come from a question on OhioState.Rivals.com, but it was another um, take, a hottish one about this, that maybe it means – Ryan Day, and I did allude to this earlier as well. I want to reinforce it, reiterate it. Maybe Ryan Day is not happy with Justin Fry or Mike Salini. And I can, I will just go ahead and say that is 100% not the case. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I, 
that leap in logic um, doesn't make much sense to me. We saw it at like one other publication. I, I, I hesitate to even call it a publication, but some, but someone uh, threw that idea sort of out into the ether that this is a, a signal on some level that Ryan Day uh, is thinks something is lacking with the offensive line coaching. And uh, I assure you, and Austin can assure you that that is not the case. Um, he, he, again, he can help. Joe Philbin can help. He's got uh, like four decades worth of experience of offensive line coaching. He's been coaching uh, the offensive line position, I think, maybe longer than um, Justin Fry has been alive. But um, he is not coming in to be like the shadow offensive line coach. Justin Fry is doing just fine. It is interesting when you look at the offensive line, though, like the, how difficult that is when the coaching staff is capped the way it has been and you need one full-time position coach and they generally have one, you know, graduate assistant type for Ohio state. That's Justin Fry and Mike Salini now, but historically in college football, it's like, that's it. And you have those two people there. You're trying to allocate your resources. You have one person coaching quarterbacks. You have one, but you have like 16, 17 offensive linemen on your roster. Like that's difficult. So if there is some way to spread out that load and, and, and by getting like that's one key benefit potentially here with someone with uh, Jim Philbin's back, Joe Philbin's background. Sorry, I didn't, at least I didn't call him Regis. But um, <laughs> you think they're related? Do we have, do we know that? <laughs> We've got a lot of research that we need to do. <laughs> um, but I apologize for that slip of the tongue. Anyway, the point is like that's such a large position group. It's difficult to manage if you don't. And if you have an extra set of hands and eyes and anything else, like that could only be a benefit. It is odd. Like, I guess I had never thought of the fact that like running back has five players and offensive line can have like 18 and the same number of coaches are <laughs> coaching those groups. It's um, a hard it, job. Yeah, it is. It is. That's why I, I, I that's why I made the point of offensive line coaches to get more head coaching jobs because you're basically coaching a quarter of the team by yourself anyway. I, th- I think there's there's value in, in learning how to run an entire roster when you coach a position that large. I, I think defensive line is perhaps similar, but offensive line is usually the largest position group on any, on any one roster. Um, and it is hard. And Ohio state did like the, maybe the thing we didn't talk about a ton when Kevin Wilson left to go to Tulsa is that he has an offensive line background as well. And, and while he didn't have the official title of offensive line coach or assistant offensive line coach, he was definitely another set of eyes and another set of hands to help, um, Greg to draw at the time. And, and Justin Fry last year just kind of managed that group a little bit. So, you lost that, and and this is a way to make up for it. The other part that I thought was interesting, and it was it wasn't entirely broached this way, but it does. Like, people ask, well, maybe they should have been doing this with another defensive person. Another can they could they've got an analyst on that side of the ball and bulked up that side of the staff. Uh, Ohio State did that pretty aggressively. They filled every available spot that they had. Plus, James Laurinaitis is about as high profile of an addition as you can have without being a former head coach um, or an NFL coach or anything else. He, that was a pretty big deal. They already did that. The, the other element to that was that they you know, suggested that p- perhaps somebody else needed to help on special teams. I think this is a unique situation in that the only, and I say, well, maybe, yeah, it wouldn't hurt to maybe have another person help on defense. If that was available to Ohio state right now, I think that Ryan day would consider it and do it. But I, goes back to what i said to start this it is a unique situation for a coach with this resume to still be looking for a place to go coach football or be around ball in late may the carousel spins at different times than uh, it has in years past but it when you have 
OTAs and rookie camps already starting at the NFL level, when you're already through spring ball uh, at the college level, this is not generally the time that anybody is moving locations to go do that. It's not. This is this is fairly unique. Um, and I also say, too, I, I apologize for not having the names handy because th- those are just not the kind of names I keep in, at the top of my head or front of mind. I think Ohio State did hire two quality control assistants to work on special teams in the offseason. Um, and then in addition to that, the the other people we've named in this episode already, like Mike Dawson is helping on the defensive side. James Laurinaitis is like basically the linebackers coach. Um, and and Larry got a new assistant too, uh, Alan Clark, right? The, he's like mm-hmm. a pass rush specialist is helping Larry Johnson. So um, they do do these things. They just, they just fly a little more under the radar, I think. And I, I guess I understand anyone who thinks like those hires should be splashier. Um, I, I think if you are, if you are thinking along those lines, I think, you're maybe overvaluing what these positions do just just a tad not to say they're unimportant but like you don't need bill belichick coming to be a quality control assistant for your for your program to be successful and and i think ohio state has done a fairly good job of addressing these positions when they've come up yeah so here's that full list for you on special teams the two uh faces that are there robert keys and gunner daniel uh talked to them at the coaches clinic that you and i went to um that group was all working together there with Parker Fleming. The full list there defensively, uh, you have uh, Brent Zdebski, Sam McGrath, James Ornitis, Alan Clark, uh, Garen Duhart, Joshua Chorba, and then Mike Dawson was the one that uh, got a lot of attention because with his ties to Nebraska. Uh, Sean Banks is helping out Keenan Bailey with the tight ends now. Riley Larkin, Devin Jordan still there, uh, of course, with the wide receivers. So, I mean, that's what do we name there? 10 people that are not yeah. full-time staff members. Um, not the, the Woody hasn't been expanded yet too. So there's not a bunch <laughs> of free, free office space. Um, maybe if it's not a matter of money, it might be a matter of space. Yeah. They can put uh, those tents out in the parking lot again and just make office space out there. Like they were doing uh, back when no one was allowed in the building. Mm. Yeah. Let's not go back to that period. <laughs> yeah, Please uh, not. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else we can say about a May 25th, addition to the coaching staff uh i mean other than i like i I think it is interesting and i i doubt we'll get to talk to joe philbin about this but i will get to pick ryan day's brain about it and probably brian hartline's too about the value value added here but like i i will never sit here and tell you that it is a bad thing for ohio state to add a former nfl head coach into (laughs) a job that is like typically reserved for like 23 year olds who are surviving on ramen noodles and sleeping on someone's couch. So this is a nice hire for Ohio State. There you go. You heard it there first from Bill Landis. I uh, appreciate you joining us on a Thursday edition of the Podcast Daily. Uh, maybe we'll throw together Freaky Friday mailbag again. Maybe. Why not? Let's do that. Why not? And we'll get back to offensive line. We'll kick off next week maybe with that for Bill. Uh, as Memorial Day weekend, we'll spill right over into a tackle holiday. Uh, next week (laughs) on the podcast daily thanks again for joining us for bill i'm austin we'll talk to you later